0: This program was paid for by the friends and partners of Bruce Downs Catholic Ministries. Well, well, since I spoke about impactors some time ago, uh, missionaries of proclamation, some of you and people all over the world have said to me, um, have said to me, "What is a missionary of proclamation? What is an impactor? And how do I become one?" We've had people all over the place saying, how do I become one? And, uh, uh, and, and, and the world is telling Christians, the world is telling you and I to be silent. The world is saying to you and me, don't say anything anymore. The world is saying it's your values and who you are is not acceptable anymore. That's why proclaiming the gospel, that's why doing events and going to places to proclaim the gospel, bringing people here is critical to us because we must oppose what the world is saying as Christians. We must go out and tell the world uh, about Jesus. Now, in in the church, the word apostolate, the word apostolate means this. It's the work of bringing people into right relationship with Jesus. It's the work of bringing people into right relationship with Jesus. And the church tells us that every person has an apostolate. Every person on the planet has a function to do this. You and, I have a fun, you and I have a function to do it. Now, when we were younger, when I was younger, and for many of us lay people, I used to think it was the priests, the brothers, the nuns whose job was to do this, that it was, it was the pastors and the ministry workers. It was their job to bring people into right relationship with Jesus. But if you read the documents of the church, the church doesn't say that at all. The church says that it's your job and my job to bring people into right relationship with Jesus. It says, it says it's your and my job. And, 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 we, and if you have a look at Vatican II, the documents of Vatican II, it says this, the characteristic of the lay state, that is lay people, people like me who are married or single people, uh, The characteristic of the lay state being a life led in the midst of the world and of secular affairs. Lay people are called by God to make their apostolate through the vigour of their Christian spirit, eleven in the world. Again, the characteristic of the lay state being a life led in the midst of the world and of secular affairs. Lay people are called by God to make their apostolate through the vigour of their Christian spirit, eleven in the world. God is very strategic. God is very strategic and, and God is strategic because, because, because we have priests, brothers, nuns who have a role, but God has also placed you and I as lay people to have a role. And the role is for everybody to participate in this apostolate of bringing people into right relationship with Jesus. The difference is, is that you and I, the difference is that you and I have a specific role. But for a long time, we've not recognised that role. For a long time, we, we, haven't, we haven't looked at that role as being anything that significant because we've always thought, well, it's the role of everybody else. But yet the church teaches us that it's our job to be in the world, our job to be exactly in the place where we are, and that it isn't our words that are the most important part in proclaiming Christ. It's our life. It's our life. Have a look at this. In in Matthew's Gospel, it says, You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. What? So they may see your good works. It does not say so they see your words. So when we as a ministry do events, whether here or we're travelling, and you are serving there, you are helping people that come, wherever you are, it is your works, it is your sacrifice that matters. But even more than that, it is where you are in your life, in your homes, with your families, in your places of work, that's where you are called to be holy. Now I've been talking about this for a while now and a man, a man wrote to me recently in a, a lawyer in another city and he said to me, he said, I've never understood that my job as a lawyer is to be the presence of God in the world and that's how I proclaim the Gospel, that I don't have to walk into the church. I don't have to go to the church to be proclaiming the gospel. I don't have to watch others proclaim the gospel, that it is my life that proclaims the gospel. He said, I'm I'm 70 years old. And he said, no one ever told me that I have this responsibility that the church has given me to proclaim him. Now, if we have a look at Acts chapter 17, verse 26, it says this, From one ancestor, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth. And he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries and the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each of us. What does this say to us? It says to us that God, when he looked at you, he ordained the time when you would live in history and he ordained the place where you would be in the world that God planned for you to be here, wherever that is, and at this time in history, he planned it. Why? Look at verse 27. Go back to that scripture again. It says, so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him. In other words, we are placed in a space, we are put in a time so that we would search for God and find Him. In other words, that we would grow in holiness. What's holiness? Holiness is to be dedicated to God, living as God calls you to in your personal, specific situation. Holiness is to be dedicated to God living as God calls you to in your specific, personal specific situation. Holiness. Now, some people stop and say, well, if I was in that place, I could be holy. Or if I was in that place, I could be holy. Or if I was able to do that, I would be holy. But here's the thing. God has put you where you are. Everything that you require for holiness is already within your life. Think about it. Where you work was ordained by God for you to work. Why? So that you would grow in holiness. Your state in life right now, whatever it is, parent, grandparent, whatever it is, single person, you are everything you require for holiness. You have. It is not over there. It is not over there. It's not over there. It is not in the past. It is not in the future. It is present right now. The church teaches us everything we require for holiness. We have. Your work is given to you right now. You're the, your, the, your place of retirement, where you are volunteering your family, your circumstances, all are given to you and all, are all that you require to be all that you can be in God. Most people are always thinking, well, if only, I had, if only I was in a different place. If only I had that or had that knowledge or that information. But everything that you require to be all that God wants you to be You have right now. You have it within you. You're not missing anything to be holy. God may convict you about ways you're acting. God may convict you about things that you're doing. But everything that you require, you have right now. There is no need to wait for something to come. You have it right now. Uh, The documents of the church are so clear on this. You have it right now. Everything you require to be holy. And what's holiness? Look at it again on the screen. Holiness is to be dedicated to God, living as God calls you to in your personal, specific situation. Exactly where you are, is where God is calling you to holiness and you have everything. You don't have to go anywhere else to encounter the holiness God is calling you to. Um, so, uh, you know, so what's an impactor? An impactor, I've talked about impactors are these missionaries of proclamation. What's an impactor? An impactor is, and this will sound silly, impacts people by their life. An impactor is someone who, where they are living in their life, in their family, in their work, in their part of the world, at this stage of their life, they are influencing people because they recognise the responsibility they have to proclaim God by their life and occasionally to use their words. See, the world can stop us from speaking. It can say, be silent, and it is, but it cannot stop our generosity. It cannot stop our perseverance. It cannot stop our kindness. It cannot stop our consideration of what other people need. It cannot stop us laying down our lives. It cannot stop us being who we are within ourselves. It cannot stop us. It just can't. We see it in the lives of the the saints and the martyrs years ago, and when you talk about martyrs, people are like, don't, that's too heavy, don't talk about martyrs. I want to hear you talk about good things. But, but I only use it as an example to say the martyrs were these people who knew that there was something in them that was way beyond what they could say because many of them couldn't say anything. It was their life. Like, like we as impactors should be saying, starting to say, is there enough evidence in my life? That if someone met me, they'd go, oh, there's something different about you. If that someone met us, they would stop me and say, can I I have what you have? What are you on? And, And yet we go to work and we play with our kids and we hang out with the people that we're living with and that we're retired with and that we study with and we don't have to say anything. I mean, that's what a Christian's meant to be. We're meant to influence by our life. Influence by our life. So, so, so we're missionaries, we're people who are intentional of proclaiming Christ by impacting the world by who we are. Who we are. I've shared often the story of when I was in Dallas, Fort Worth. I spent nearly six months, a couple of years ago, living in that hotel. And I was there, and I was there, and it occurred to me. I would fly in, I'd be there for a few weeks, then I'd fly out, then I'd come back and I did it for six months. I was there for six months. And I think I've shared with you, there was only one person who stayed in the hotel more that year than me and it was a flight attendant. And they only beat me by about three days. And because I'm competitive, if they'd told me it was three days, I'd have gone back just to make sure that I was, you know, for no reason whatsoever. And, and, I, and I still remember the thought occurred to me, the thought occurred to me What happens if I could influence the staff of this hotel? I remember thinking, I wonder if I could. I wonder if I could. And so when I went to breakfast of a morning, I was just nice to all the waiters. In the end, I ended up praying with the waiters, sharing with them about God because I was just nice to them. The receptionists, whenever I came, they would upgrade me to the biggest and best rooms. I I was in this, I was in once in this, this double-story giant unit with multiple rooms and spas and everything, and there's just me sitting in the corner. I counted the chairs on the bottom floor. There were 27 chairs on the bottom floor. And just me. I didn't need anything like it. But you know why? Because I made this decision, could I influence them not by my words because I didn't have a platform, I didn't have anything, but by who I was. I remember, me, I remember being in the lift, you know, the elevator, and, uh, and one of the staff got in and I said hello to them and they said hello and, and somehow you know, one of them said to me, I'm on, the, I'm on the management team of the restaurant, you're that guy, aren't you? We discussed you. At, at the at at the head at the head department meeting this morning. Matter of fact, we discuss you often. I'm at the CEO of the of, of the hotel said the same. Now, I don't say that to boast, but purely to say that should be normal for you. That's that's normal living. That's not extraordinary living. That's not showing off. That's being an impactor that our lives influence people by our kindness. And let's be honest, kindness is not weakness. Kindness is strength. Because the world, you know, I used to think things like kindness and generosity and others were things that were just these weak things. But it takes strength to be kind to people who aren't kind. It takes strength to be generous and give away what you want or you could give your family to some other person who you see that's in need. That's an impactor. That's normal living. That's normal living. If any of you are the parents of kids at school, why don't you determine, I wonder how many people I could influence by saying nothing but by how I live. Any of you ever go to the shopping centre, make a decision to go to the same checkout person as often as you can. And every time you go, be as kind and as generous with them, with your time and your words, as you can be. Yeah. It's real simple. People criticise you for it. People think you're maybe a tad on the weird, weird side at times. But we're called to be these people who have an impact on others. Yeah. See, for the person who's put Jesus at the centre of their life, it's not just being committed. It's then growing in that deeper relationship where we become transformed where we can stop and say, hey, I know who God is. Well, Who is God? Who is God? What's God like? I mean, these are questions that so many people have asked. What's God like? Um, You know, philosophers have answers for that. Theologians have answers for who God is. Academics have their answers. You listen to kings and queens, they have their answers. All of you would have an answer. Children have an answer. Some say they believe. Some say they're not sure. Others say, nah, there's no God at all. Paul writing to Timothy, what did Paul say of who God was? He said this, God is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It is He alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To Him be honour and eternal dominion. Amen. Have a look at it again. God is the blessed and only sovereign the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is, it is He alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To Him be honour and eternal dominion. No one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen Him. No one knows what God is like. We know what Jesus is like, but we've never seen who, Jesus, uh, who God is. St. Augustine said, it's easy to talk about who God is not or what God is not than what God is because no one has ever seen him. In our attempt to explain God, we use images, we use language, we use concepts. And in a sense, immediately as we do that, we limit God because we can only think to the extent of what we can think. We put God in this box and God is so much more. Whatever we think about, whatever image we have of God, we immediately have limited God. We've immediately made God small. Um, and yet through our lives, images of who God is are scattered through our lives. What we think God is like, they're scattered to us. Uh, whenever, and, and it's hard to comprehend, it's hard to understand. When I was growing up, whenever... And whenever I felt the church couldn't explain something to me, what the church would say was, it's a mystery. You know how whenever you can't explain something, you go, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. And I used to think, well, that's ripped off because, you know, if you can't explain it to me, don't ask me to believe it. So, but yet it keeps using this word mystery. So I went there to look at a couple of definitions of the word mystery. church. And so have a look at this. It says, in biblical terms, a mystery is a secret truth or secret plan that, it's hid, that is hidden from the common knowledge of people. Mysteries are known to God and they must be disclosed through revelation in order to be known by his people. Another definition of a mystery is this a divinely revealed truth whose very possibility cannot be rationally conceived before it is revealed and after revelation, whose inner essence cannot be fully understood by the finite mind. In other words, it's a mystery. And when you read these two definitions, what does it say? It says it's a secret truth. It says it's a secret plan that's hidden. It cannot be rationally conceived. It cannot be understood by the finite mind. And when it comes to God, what do we say of God? Well, he's a mystery. It's, there's something secret. There's a secret truth about that. There's a, you know, but both these de- definitions, however, say that a mystery can be understood. It says it can't be understood, but then again it, it can be understood. And, and it says that the way mystery is understood is that it must be disclosed in us through revelation in order to be known by us. It has to be disclosed in us, all right? Mystery cannot be known before it's revealed. You can't understand a mystery and you can't understand the mystery of God before it's revealed. Um, uh, So how how does it work? We can only know God, and I should have put this on the screen. We can only know God because God chooses to reveal Himself to us. It's the only way we can know God. We can't know God in any other way. It is God's initiative. It's not our initiative. It's God's initiative. It's God who is the one who chooses to reveal himself to us. It's an unbridgeable chasm that we can't cross. Understanding God, knowing God. It's certainly something that we can't do of our own efforts. So God, and and the Scriptures teach us that God is a mystery that draws near to us, that God is a mystery that seeks to love us, that we become captured in Him because of what He does. If you've been listening to me speak of late, I've been sharing a lot about... about, uh, uh, The more I've walked with God, the more I've realised how little I know. The more I have followed God in my life, the more I realise I just don't measure up, that I'm so faulted. I seem to know a lot of things and people always say to me, you know a lot of things, and yet the more I know, the more I seem to feel I don't know. The more I know of God, the more I see the wonder, the beauty, the magnificence of God... And I look at God and and my mind just keeps expanding like the universe keeps expanding. And then I look down and look at me. The saints talk about themselves as being no more than a worm. When describing this chasm between who God is, the saints often say, I'm no more than a worm. And what they're really saying is, "God, God is so, and who am I? How many of you have thought to yourself, I'm going to do the right thing and then do the wrong thing? None of you, just me. You know, we we so fall short of God. We so don't measure up to his love and his beauty and his goodness. We are so much that compared to God, that worm that the saints talk about that seems so negative but yet it's not it's just trying to make that comparison between god and us and yet it's god that god that bridges the chasm it's that god reveals his love in our heart it's that this mystery this expanding mystery of god that we don't understand or can't fully comprehend because we have not seen God, becomes real in us because God reveals it to us. And how, how did he do that? He made a door, he made a bridge, and we know that bridge is Jesus. Jesus said, to have seen me is to have seen the Father. It's to have seen the Father. So, so language is often difficult. And so for we who are listening wherever you are around the world, we who are impactors, we who have determined that, yes, I recognise that my job in my retirement village is to witness to Christ. Me who's at school, my job is to witness to Christ. Me who is in a job, my job is to witness to Christ and that I'm not, I'm not going to be able to use words. I'm just going to be able, it's going to have to be my life. How does our life change? Our life changes because the revelation of God has been revealed in us and we know, we know, we know. And our words fall short. And, 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 there's, and there's four things I want to talk about doing in order to be able to prepare ourselves to be that impactor in the world, to be holy and to be that example in the places where we are to recognise that we influence the environments of the world where we are. I'm not sure it was here or in another city, I said it a little while ago. Um, uh, I, uh, I, I've, I've sometimes got onto planes and people have recognised me and on more than one occasion people have said, we're safe now, the plane won't go down if you're on it. And, 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 and as much as that's silly and, and, and uh, you know, they're, they're having a joke, There's an element of of this thought. If if, if God is revealed in me and I am his witness in the world by my life, if I carry the God of the universe that is so expansive and I'm so little, if I carry that God in me, do I not make by my presence every place holy as God goes with me? Not because of anything I do, but because of God in me. God in me. So how do we grow in this sense of the revelation of God? And, and, And number one is this consistent prayer. Now, prayer can be described in many different ways, but prayer is this conversation with God. Prayer is this yield of another heart to God. Prayer is this communion with God where every day we front up, every day we front up to the best of our ability. I was talking to a Catholic priest this week and he was saying to me, he said, you look at the nuns that that go off into these enclosed orders, don't come out and have many hours a day to pray. He said to me, if you did that, he said, that would be quite wrong for you to spend that many hours in prayer because it isn't what God called you to be. Your job, remember, as a lay person, is to be in the world. You can't go and spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours a day in prayer. That won't be holy for you, Bruce. All you need to do is pray every day, fit it into, get it in your life, in the busyness of life, and then go into the world and and do what you have to do. But but you must be consistent, Bruce. Consistent prayer is what ultimately brings us into the presence of God and transforms us. And transforms us. I, I, um, I was looking at my prayer journal, I write my prayers out, and I was looking at my prayer journal this week, and every day I've been praying, and I've got to be honest with you, my prayer's been just of late, a little dry, a little bit, you know, I'm turning up and I'm praying every day and I don't have any great experience of God at this point in my life or anything magnificent happens in prayer at the end of it. I kind of go, well, I've, done my, I've prayed today for the time that I was going to pray. And, and, and the key to it is turning up. The key to it is being at prayer. And no one can tell you what that prayer is going to be look like for you because our lives are different. When, when I was young and I had little kids, I was thinking about my son Joel who has four children, seven down to two. You go to his house and it's just like, it's just busy and loud all of the time. And that's just his life. Whereas you come to my house right now, it's pretty quiet because all, all my kids have gone. What I can do and what my son Joel can do are two different things equally holy if we pray. So my five hours a day, it's not, compared to his 10 minutes a day is equally holy. Our circumstances are different. And so so growing in in consistent prayer, being there when we don't feel like it, don't feel that God is close, prioritising that every day I'll have a moment with God, when I'm really busy, one of the first things I think of doing, because I'm a morning prayer, I come and particularly if I come here and I'm busy, like I even felt it today. I came here early this morning, and the first thing was, yeah, let's not pray today. Let's, you know, I've got, I'm busy. I'm going to be, I'm going to be talking about God anyway. God'll understand. I'll just won't pray first. What I'll do is I'll just go and just begin my, you know, continue with my preparation. And it's this trap of the tyranny of the urgent, of the over of the, of the importance of the essential. You know, consistent everyday prayer, of being turning up and spending uh, uh, time with God. The second way that we grow in in our relationship with God that transforms us is time. And what do I mean by time? Is overtime. Is that is that you don't become a saint on a day. You don't transform all of your thinking on a day. You don't hear an inspirational talk and go, oh, I'll be changed. Walking with God is this walking in depth that happens over decades of our life, over days, weeks, months, years of our life and we see ourselves change as we begin to see the expansiveness of God, the infinity of God, and we begin all of a sudden to then see us decrease and we begin to see ourselves as that small, incapable and dependent person on God. It happens over time. It happens over time. The third thing that I've learnt about the third thing that I've learnt about, about growing in the revelation of God is this, is, is sharing life with others, being with others, being here in places like this, um, uh, being with others. Uh, and, and you can be with others these days online. You can be with others in the room. You can be with others in your home. Others who are seeking the revelation of God in their life, sharing life and being transparent, it's just critically important. I'm just about to travel and and I'm about to do a series of events um, in in, in different cities and and, and it's been really on my heart just to gather people where I can and to pray with them. And and, uh, I got a letter from someone this week saying, you know, aren't you worried that crowds won't turn up to when you turn up? I never heard the Lord say, gather crowds. I heard the Lord say, go gather a group of people, pray with them and share Christ with them and have them share Christ with you. And so it's, it's just, in, in, it, it's never about the number. It's always about being with people where you can share your life and, you can, and who are encountering God uh, in their own life. And then fourthly, is striving for holiness, striving for holiness. What do I mean by striving? So you can strive and take things out of God's hands. It's all by my effort. I put God in the centre of my life. It's all by my effort. But I'm talking about a different type of striving. I'm talking about that striving that says, I'm going to go after being holy. I'm going to make sure I pray every day. I'm going to make sure that I'm listening to the voice of God and to His leading, and to His guidance. I'm going, to, I'm going to share life with others who are being intentional. I'm going to do things like, as part of my prayer, read the Scriptures. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to others. So it's striving to be holy and it's turning up and it's asking God's forgiveness for those moments when we fall down. Um, to be an impactor is someone. To be an impactor is someone who stops and says, my life is my words my heart is my words my actions are my words and occasionally i might open my mouth that's what god is looking for in the world and you can all be that exactly in the place you are and that's what we're doing at our event, at events when we do them that's what we're doing when we we gather to pray uh, is to encourage people to be an impactor in their environment. What happens if we could encourage millions of people to be what I've just talked about today? To have grown because of God's revelation in the mystery of who God is. That which is unexplainable unless it is revealed. Imagine if you could all say, He has revealed the mystery of Himself in me. And now I live that in the world. That's what we as impactors and whatever Christian is called to in their life. Loving Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Allow us today to be that light on the hill where our words speak. No, no, no. Where our actions speak. We feel it's meant to be our words. But it's not. It's our actions that they would speak. Lord God, transform us. We commit our lives to You. And Father, we make this prayer in the name of Jesus through the power of Your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. When Jesus was introduced to me, it changed completely, totally and utterly my life. Little did I know that when I committed my life to Christ, that I would become a different person and I would experience the joy and peace and fulfilment and life would turn out the way it has. It has been simply incredible. And that's what's on offer to every person who's a Christian. Every person is meant to have God walk with us. Now, I'd love to say that I've never had problems. I have. I'd love to say I've never made mistakes. I've made some rippers along the way. And yet within the midst of it, God has been with me, transforming me, changing me all along the way. Our responsibility as Christians is to share that message with everybody. And I wanna ask you today, would you help me? And together, can you and I share Christ with people all over the world? And I wanna ask you for your financial support to make the ministry work more effectively, to reach out to people that we would never reach unless we partnered together. I'm so grateful to all those people who stand with me, to our Faith Builder partners, the people who give on an every month basis, who believe that Jesus should be shared with people. To all of our Faith Builders, people who give from time to time, you make it possible. And to all of you, I'm tremendously grateful. As a sign of my appreciation, I wanna give you an ebook, something that's really been on my mind of late. It's called, fighting for your promised land. I'm not giving this to you as a way of you paying for it, but rather just as a gift to say, thank you for being with me. Fighting for your promised land is all about us. If we're gonna go into what God has for us, so often we've gotta work hard for it. And it's taken from the story of the people of Israel as they entered the promised land and all that they had to do to claim what was theirs. And as a sign of my appreciation for your support to be able to share the Gospel, I just want to give you this message that I gave. It will really bless you abundantly. You can go into our website, you can go into our... Uh, the Give tab, you decide how much you want to contribute. Uh, and, and then in return, I will send this to you immediately. And I pray that it abundantly blesses you. Let me pray for you. Loving God, I thank you today that you're with us. I thank you today that together we get to share about you and to take people to that deeper and deeper and deeper place with you. Lord God, I just pray you bless everybody who contributes, Lord God, to your advancing kingdom in the world. And Lord, I pray that many people who don't know you would hear you and many people would go deeper in you. Thank you, Lord God, for being with us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Hey, thank you for being with us. I look forward to seeing you next time. And don't forget, wherever you are, God is never far from you. This program was paid for by the friends and partners of Bruce Downs Catholic Ministries.